This is exactly right. Of the Law & Order franchises, SVU is considered especially watchable. We are the amateur detectives who kind of investigate the vicious felonies these episodes are based on. These are our stories. Dun-dun! Hello, good morning, good evening. You're in your car. Welcome to That's Messed Up, an SVU podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Kara Clank. And I'm Lisa Traeger, representing those who aren't in their cars. Uh, <laughs> I'm recording vacuuming. Fam- I'm recording from my car. No, <laughs> um, that would be so wild. Uh, welcome we to here. another ep of the pod, guys. Um, this is exciting. The writer's strike has been resolved. And the SAG, we think SAG will be following soon after. So stay tuned. Hopefully we're going to have more fabulous guests coming to you um, from. I know I keep thinking like Drew Barrymore, you couldn't have waited two weeks. I know. And now you have this like stain on you. <laughs> now I've people will forget it in a minute. Like it yeah. doesn't matter. But it is just like. You couldn't have waited a couple weeks? Well, it's so funny to me, too. It's like, this is a big part of our lives, and we live in L.A., and, like, we hear about it day in and day out. And then we went to go see some of your family when we were in Atlanta, and they were like, so what's happening? Like, they just didn't know anything about the strikes at all. We were like, well, it's about this. And, you know, it's just... uh Funny that for a lot of people, it really just like hasn't even registered, though the auto unions are striking. I think right now unions and strikes and, you know, trying to get corporations to be held accountable is a hot thing right now. I heard the flight attendants might. Oh, my gosh. And do you think it's about uh, the lounges? Do you think it's because of the Delta lounges? No, but I just looked it up. And unfortunately, American Airlines flight attendant 66 found dead with sock in her mouth in a hotel room 10 (gasps) hours ago. What? And this is an out, yeah, an hour. A call, colleague of flight attendant found dead in Philly. I didn't realize. Oh my god, what the fuck? I thought I was just gonna look at the strike, and now there's all these dead flight attendants. Wait, that's like scary because I guess they like travel alone. No, like whenever I see flight attendants going to a hotel after their flights, they're always with a bunch of other ones. The New York Post continue without supporting us. Yes, New York Post, you are not getting any ads <laughs> ad views from me. Thank you very much. Um. Okay. Yeah. In Philadelphia, she was found two days after she was supposed to check out, which is even weirder. Yeah, you guys are supposed to. Don't they usually check like a couple hours after you're supposed to check out? She. Yeah, she was found by cleaning staff at like the airport Marriott. Damn. No signs of forced entry or struggle, no weapons. This is live reporting right now, if I've ever seen it. This is an SVU episode unfolding. It's going to end up that the most powerful flight attendant in New York City is behind it. They're fighting to be the supreme. Did you ever watch the movie View from the Top? It's uh, Gwyneth Paltrow and Christina Applegate, and it's a competitive flight attendant. No, I never saw that. No, I did. I did. I did. it. I saw it a few times. <laughs> no, but Not I made love public. Chris- thank God. Um, 
but the death is considered suspicious and there will be an investigation. Yeah, I would say anytime there's a sock in the mouth, it's suspicious. I would definitely throw that into the suspicious cat column. Um, um, yes, that is true. Anyway, maybe that now is <laughs> now's a good time to talk about all the travel that we're doing coming up. Um, guys, we are coming to a city near you. Please come see us. This episode comes out on... October 10th, which means we will just have been to Buffalo. It means tonight we are at the Space Ballroom in New Haven. New Haven, Hartford. I'm a hometown girl. Please do not make me look stupid and not have enough people at our Space Ballroom show. Please come see us. Apparently the venue is really cool. I'm excited to go there. Some of my high school friends will be there. They'll probably tell you embarrassing stories about me. Come on. Um, then we're in Burlington this Thursday on the 12th. Uh, and then next week, Cleveland, Ohio on the 18th. Boston on the 19th. You guys are showing up with the tickets. Thank you so much, Boston. Keep telling friends and spreading the word. The Wilbur is a huge uh, moment for us. And we really would love to have as many people there as possible. Then the rest of October is uh, Toronto on the 24th, Detroit on the 25th, and Pittsburgh on the 26th. And then don't forget Salt Lake City and our whole Midwest run happening in November. One last thing about the tour, the New York show tickets. I know it's in December and you guys are all like, what if I have a holiday party? The tickets are going fast. They're a low ticket alert for the New York show. So hop on there and get those babies. And that's it. Go to thatsmessedupplive.com for all the info. Also at the link in our Instagram bio. And that's enough of me selling you guys coming to see us. What else is going on, Lisa? We went to Vegas. Well, I'm just announcing. <laughs> well, I have some tour dates. So oh, yes. check it out on Glitter Cheese. But also I'm um, just announcing I'm going to be doing an hour in L.A. on November 2nd at Ooh. Dynasty Typewriter. So come on down to that. Yeah. Ooh la la. Ooh la la. Indeed. That'll um, be really cool. But yes, we were in Vegas. We were in Vegas. And I haven't recovered still. I fully got so sick there. I'm, it's been, I haven't been, well, I also won't stop smoking weed. That probably doesn't help my throat. <laughs> but Vegas was fun. It was so fun. We had a great day in a cabana. Lisa organized a lot of it. It was so amazing. It was like the best I birthday. I never do anything so big for much. my birthday. And I had a great time. I just feel at the pool, like that area when we were going from the pool to the wave pool, <laughs> I don't think I'd ever laugh that hard. Like I was <laughs> just really enjoying myself because when we got the four, there was four of us at that moment. And when we got into the pool, these old men next to us went, they look like trouble. And <laughs> we did. <laughs> we did. And then like when they, they started talking to us and we just kept walking, but we were walking in the water. So we're like slow moving away from them. They're like, where are you from? We're like, LA, have a great night, guys. Like we just kept walking away from them slowly. It was so funny. Cause Lisa, yeah, we bullied a man with two sons out of the hot tub. Our hotel had like two or three pools leading to the wave pool. And Lisa goes, should we just walk through all the pools like lizard people? And I was like, that's a great idea. So we lizard peopled our way through three pools to get to this wave pool. Then we get to the wave pool and our friend that's with us is like, I don't know, I don't want to say wave pool aficionado, but she's like huge into wave pools. And she's like, and basically it's like a pretty tame wave pool. Like I almost drowned at the Action Park wave pool. Shout out to anyone that remembers Action Park in New Jersey, AKA Traction Park. And so I was expecting like, torrential, like huge waves that were going to like knock me on my butt. And they're very chill because it's Vegas. Like people don't really actually want to fight for their lives. And our friend swims up to this lifeguard on a, 
on a like a uh, longboard and is like, Hey, when did the waves start? And he's like, they're on. It's one wave every 90 seconds. And it was so funny. She was so disappointed. Well, we couldn't even like, um, you, and then the shallow, you had to yeah. stand straight up. Like there was just, I don't want to drown. Cause I didn't even want to go into a wave pool. Cause I do have really scary memories from childhood. But I was ready. We we yeah. got ready. We we got goggles. We put hat. We clipped it. We were just <laughs> really prepped to go into a real wave pool, like we were going to fight in Sparta, right? We were like the <laughs> three hundred, and then it was barely away. I mean, I, it was the equivalent of like a gust of wind every ninety seconds, like blowing the water a little bit. Like it would lift you up a tiny bit, but then, yeah, once you got washed into the shallow end, you couldn't sit there like the way you sit on the beach and kind of just let like the ends of the waves like fall over you. They're like stand up straight, like all these teens telling us what to do. So, but yeah, full braces. But I also the reason we had to walk through the pools is because we had a drink. We can't bring drinks. Like this is my thing too. The rules on the wave pool are so strict without the wave and. That's yeah, a lot of rules for very little action. Yeah, um, like that's what was like, I can't have a high noon in here. <laughs> Fuck off. But I, I also I ordered like a 30 ounce that lie made. That was really fun. Oh, it was yeah, giant. yeah. It was delicious. It was just really funny. But then, um, yeah, I think I got pretty drunk. Yeah, it was a fun. It was a. It was wild too because we wanted to maximize our time at the pool, so we didn't really nap before we went to dinner, and then we went to Drag Race Live, and then Lisa and I were last men standing gambling at like you know late hours. So it was, but it was so fun. I. But I learned. I learned about roulette. So like in my head, I was doing a hundred at a time, and then kind of building up, but then losing it. Yeah. Next time I go in, I'm putting like four hundred in right away. And then splashing. And then I think that's the only way to win big or win win at all. I just think 100 at a time was a mistake for me. And I should have just like yeah, fully I, committed. I agree. Because I think the guys that we see doing well are doing what you're talking about. Because they started with so much. And then they just splash their chips around the center. And like you usually hit. But then it's just, I just kept hitting a bunch of like zero or whatever. And I was like, oh my God. Because I never bet on zero or double zero. So... I, I did lose get, my money. <laughs> I just love Hold'em, but like it's so intimidating in the poker rooms and the tournaments. And like, I just don't get why Hold'em can't have a table like Blackjack. I'm confused by that. But yeah. Well, you played some kind of Hold'em maybe. at the very first place and you did well. Well, it was called Ultimate um, Hold'em and it wasn't, it was like, there was more, there was weirdness. Happening. Yeah. There was like a lot of. Like, if you wanted a bet pre-flop, like, you had to put in three times the minimum bets. Like, things were just wild at the ultimate table. But yeah. I did work with an incredible woman. Shout out to her. <laughs> but, the first, but the first night in Vegas was confusing to me because it seems like everyone is just walking around looking for fun. Yeah. That will never hit them. You know, like it's fun <laughs> to go for an event or have something to do. But like Friday night was this thing of like, if you're not clubbing or doing like heinous crimes, like it, it was just all these. It felt like the movie Swingers in a way. It was just like everyone like drinking and looking around. Waiting yeah. For, waiting for something to hit. Like, <laughs> you know, sitting in their little tables being like, what's around here? Now it was, uh, and you always like you see groups time. like trying to link up. I mean, a guy was trying to talk to me a lot at the table, and then I slowly watched him lose two thousand dollars, and then he kind of just slinked away. And I was like, I bet you don't care where I live now. Like he asked me what I do for a living, and I pretended I didn't hear him. But um, 
we we had a time. But and also we saw a couple of listeners. Hello to you guys. That was yeah, fun. that's where I lost my voice. Um, the drag race is when it all went to oh, shit for yeah. my so health, at least. We saw Drag Race Live. For those of you that know about our drag obsession, we saw the cast was Bosco, hosted by Asia O'Hara, who was amazing and does about 75 outfit changes with wigs that are impeccable. Bosco was in the cast. Kennedy fucking Davenport. Alexis Mateo, one of my faves. Um, Coco, Coco Montrese. And Pangina Heels, who I didn't know about, the winner of Drag Race Thailand. And Pangina, she, no? No, Pangina Heels. Angina, oh, Angina is from season, season one. one. Yeah, and from All Stars You know, they five. really have to, that is too tough for me. Angina, Pangina, Araja, and Araja. I don't think, uh, you know, it, like, you know, that there, there should be so copyrights. <laughs> um, <laughs> but it was amazing, like, it's a it's fun. Like I got to see the little numbers that that they worked on when I worked on the show. Were like these three original numbers that are in the show, and then all the queens got to do like their own big sort of showstopper. And Coco Montrese fucking pulled it out. She did like a whole Janet Jackson thing that I did not expect, and she was you know she's a Vegas showgirl, so they really she brought is it. A Vegas showgirl. The only thing that is so RuPaul is they like the screens are advertising something every 10 minutes, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's it, like buy the app, buy the books, watch this international, go to the merch store, buy House of Love cocktails, buy House of Love mocktails. Like so many, so many advertisements. It was, it was crazy. Um, it was. And I loved all the casinos. I definitely want to go to Vegas again. I think Vegas need you need to have a central point. Like there needs to be an event. Yeah. I, really I guess think so. I, I think know. there needs to be a concert. I think there needs to be an event that you're going to to make Vegas make sense. Oh, like one head. show, like Drag Race Live, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear what you're saying. Yeah, totally. I or like a Celine or a thing like I or unless you're truly like into gambling so much, but I feel like Vegas to me seems like the best when there's an event to go to. I have to say, I feel like every time I have gone, I have been going to see like one thing. Like I saw Pink, I saw Cher. Like I, I'm usually going to see something, I guess. That um, makes sense. But the yeah. Lazy River, yeah, we just had fun. We were laughing. We like shoved a kid in his inner tube against a wall to make sure Kara's hair didn't get wet in the waterfall. <laughs> Because of her blowout. And like, truly, we were like injuring children trying to keep our hair dry. The Lazy River was something I never could have imagined. Like, my friend goes, oh, yeah, you could just get in. And like, I go, and like, what, just float like a dead body? I was like, I don't think so. And so I went in once with an inner tube. And then when we went in a second time, I did do it dead body style. And wow, what a thrill. I was wrong. And I stand corrected. Uh, the, the current was fast. Like, my body was floating down that river. Um, I mean, I feel like this is all related to SV you bodies floating in rivers but wow a really fun time a lot of wild cab drivers and i just had i had a, the best time i like already thinking about how i want to go back um i know i'm like who's performing i know i know <laughs> i would go see i would go see adele i feel like it would be fun to see adele she's done baby this is last weekend that was it. yeah but you never know. All kinds of shit is there. Um, I think Miley should do Vegas. I'm hoping for a Miley Vegas eventually because her big thing is she doesn't want to tour. Like, yeah, she doesn't want to pack on a bus and change in a locker. Like, she doesn't want that life. But I feel like Vegas is the thing to do. And I think Let's Adele go, was only doing weekends. It's like you don't have to be there seven days a week, you know? No, I exactly. I think you could be in Malibu, hang out with your nature, 
and then fucking fly in, baby. I was reading, um, first of all, we'll be done in a second, but I was reading about, first of all, I hate that Kourtney Kardashian's company is called Poosh. I like hate that word. It like gives me full body shivers. I don't know what it means, but I don't like it. And she had like a big party in Malibu. And I guess it was like against all these Malibu rules. And this is becoming an increasing problem in Malibu where celebrities just have these massive parties and it like blocks up traffic and everybody like Malibu doesn't know what to do about it. So I wonder if Miley's been affected. <laughs> Interesting. Wait, hold on. So they just had a par- uh, party and break all the rules. Yeah, I think they have like they have these massive parties and like just probably capacity is like huge and then like like the entertainment Whoa. like the mayor accuses Kourtney Kardashian of fraud. Yeah, like that's it. I think they like lie about what it is. Like they fake permits. Like they get permits for yep. one thing and then that's not what they have. Damn. Yeah. That is wild. I forgot if this is real or not or in a different country, but that like tickets and stuff, you pay what's um, comparable to your to your worth. So like because rich people will just get tons of tickets and parking tickets and it doesn't matter to them because what's $100 to them yeah. or $500. So like if you're a super rich person and you get pulled over, your ticket's going to be for $250,000. Really? Because it's like comparable. Yeah. I don't know if I made this up or if it's in a country or a city. Casey, you look it up. (laughs) This is somewhere outside of America? Yeah, of course. Oh, okay. okay, Yeah. I feel like it's like Switzerland. I bet it's one of the Nordics. It's, you know, Denmark or something. That's interesting. Or or I just read a thing of how it should be, but that's how it should be because rich people just don't care. They'll keep paying the red light tickets or like the parking tickets, the street cleaning. It doesn't matter to them. And so hopefully if you are that rich, you have a garage. But anyways, (laughs) they'll just speed it. It doesn't matter. So if you make the ticket pricing actually hurt, maybe they'll follow the fucking rules. (laughs) Casey's leading in. What's the scoop? Finland. 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 Lisa's former hometown. Progressive punishment when it comes to speeding tickets. Uh, The amount depends on your monthly income. Wow. So you're right on, Lisa. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Like, that's how it should be. Because, like, what does Kourtney Kardashian care about violating permits? They could could probably fine her $10,000 and she wouldn't give a shit. Like, she needs to be fined a million dollars. And then maybe she won't do shit like this. But also, fuck that rich-ass community. Um, It's like Palm Springs. You know, they have all these rules. Lights Uh. can't be out. Don't turn on music. You know, it's like, also, fuck the rich people that are, like, so annoyed by the noise. But Yeah, you can't, like, talk loudly outside in Palm Springs after 10 o'clock. It's really crazy. Um, no, there's also no street lamps. You have to walk around with like a lamp on your head. <laughs> um, uh, all right. Should we get started with today's episode? I did have one other funny thing that happened at, in Vegas. I was talking to a friend there <laughs> and um, I was talking about doing Molly. And I was like, oh, yeah, I used to do um, lick Molly off my hands at the bathroom at Kohl's. And she goes, oh, I used to steal from Kohl's. And I go, (laughs) what the fuck did you take from there? And she goes, I don't know, lip glosses. And I went, oh, I don't mean the store. I mean my friend Cole, his bar. (laughs) Cole's the bar. (laughs) So she thought I was doing Molly at Cole's department store. And that was like my (laughs) thing. (laughs) 
And I was like, how dare you steal from a local bar, you fucking psycho? <laughs> I'm like, what did you take? And then, um, so I really liked those giggles. That I've I been to both Coles and I would say they're both great places to lick Molly off your fingers, okay? <laughs> also, I, I, I did not bring my laptop and the TV wasn't working and that was hard for me to sleep, even though I was fucked up. <laughs> um, oh, I thought you went out pretty quick. No, I had podcasts in my ears and I was waking up to voices of our friends. Like it was, <laughs> it was twisted. No, I fell asleep with things in my ears. Oh, wow. I lost my AirPods. Kill me. All right, let's get started. We've got a great episode for you guys today, as usual. All right, episode one of season 13. Yeah, season premiere, and it's the first season premiere after Christopher Maloney leaves. Has de departed. Yeah, after shooting a teen in the precinct. Um, everyone <laughs> needs a break after that. Uh, so we're, yeah, in the beginning, we see a man, and he's tying a paisley orange tie. He's really tan. He has facial hair. In a hotel, and then we see um, a hotel maid, and she's so crying and distressed, and then another hotel maid runs to her, and then we cut to the man um, it, that we're assuming is the reason this hotel maid is crying and in distress. And he's cheersing to a future grandchild. He's on a rooftop bar in Manhattan, and... There's a pregnant woman. There's a lot of also, lush but greenery. also, like, why is this man going? May he be a boy? What is this like? Nineteen like oh one? Like why? Why? How about a healthy baby? Yeah, I honestly, anyone that does that, I'm against them a hundred percent. It's so fucked up. I hate it. Um, so the manager calls the police. Cragen answers the phone call and gives orders right away. So Munch and Finn, they go to the Park Milano Hotel where the maid was assaulted in the presidential suite. And then quickly he says, Liv, sorry about your weekend, but you got to go to Bellevue um, and check on the Vic. So she's off to Bellevue. And the guys are off to the hotel. And the suspect we find out is Roberto Distasio. Did I say that right, Carol? Yeah. A nice Italian flair. Yeah. Um, and he is, he's important. He's next in line to becoming the Italian prime minister. And he's, Can I just say one yes. quick thing? Yeah. So they say he's basically next in line behind Berlusconi, who Berlusconi was the prime minister of Italy for a long time. And he was the prime minister of Italy when I lived there. He it, like we think Donald Trump is a joke. Like Berlusconi is a joke with like capital letters. When I was living there, he disappeared for six weeks. No one knew where he was. When he came back, he had a full facelift. <sighs> Wait, like, he is the wildest. So who who was in charge of Italy when he was gone? Uh, 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 I don't know. Like the vice prime minister. I don't know what their situation is. But like just like he, there's such a tabloid culture and like they they always know where he is and like just nobody knew where he was for like six weeks and he came back and his face was fucking tight as hell and it was insane. And also he owns like uh, this media company that basically, it would be like if our president owned NBC, ABC and CBS. Like there's one other channel like Fox that he doesn't own, but he owns three of the major, major channels in Italy. And how did the people in Italy feel about him? I mean, uh, from what I, th I talking to my friends, mostly he was like a joke, but I think that like right wing people like him. Okay. 
you know? So it just, I just thought it'd be like an, an interesting little tidbit that he is like a hilarious, ridiculous politician. So and it doesn't guy say like, much that he's going to be, he's next in line. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not. But still, it, it, it conveys the power of how much, how powerful this guy is for sure. So, um, so he's, uh, he's in the car and he's chatting with his driver. He realizes he left his laptop at the hotel. He calls the hotel and because of this tidbit, because he calls the hotel, the squad and everyone knows that he's off to JFK and they know his location. Um, so we know he's heading to JFK and, but drum roll, it's Amanda Rollins first episode. <laughs> um, and she is laying on her accent, accent. Oh, so hard, so, so hard. She is ready to work, baby. Um, and she's holding a box and she gives she like gives it to another officer and she goes, stash that for me, hun, will you? Like truly off the fucking country boat uh, and, you know, ready to hit the pavement. So her and Craig, get, like she's excited to get to work. This man takes this box from her. We're at the hospital and the victim um, is... Anika Nani Rose, and that's the actress's name, and she is the voice of Tiana in The Princess of the Frog, so a different type of role. <laughs> but I—and I'm sure she's done lots of other work, but she's a fucking Disney princess. That's pretty huge. Um, and so her name is Miriam, and— She's explaining what happened to her, and it's pretty detailed, but he was in a robe from the spa. He locked the door behind him, pushed her onto the bed, um, held her arms back, you know, just pretty fucked up, but she scratched him, and she, but he pushed her down again, and then, how do I even say this? Whatever, so he, he, he forced her to give him oral sex, basically. Yeah. He, he, he forced, he, like, penetrated her orally. Yeah, and... Then she spit it out, and I guess he laughed and said, this is the difference between life and love. And I don't know. Is it bad? That's a very Italian thing to say after a rape, I guess. Like and love. <laughs> like and love. What did I say? Life. That's the, that's Google Docs problem. <laughs> that is not me. I guess what he's saying is that if you love someone, you swallow or something. That's exactly what he's saying. Oh, God. Oh yeah, my god. He's a fucking creepy as fake self-tanner on. I guess I've never been in love with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Benson, um, like the amazing detective she is, asks, Where did you where did you spit it out? And then we're back on the scene at the hotel, and Rollins, helpful off the bat. We are shown that she is fucking good at her job. Um, she there was like she found some blood and she put a coin down for scale and She's there. So then we cut. There's a lot of cuts and we haven't even gotten to the credits. So then back to um, Disconi. Uh, I'm going to call him Dasani. And so we <laughs> we see this Italian man. He's um, in first class, obviously. And he's checking the ass out of the flight attendant. So he's gross. And this flight attendant is wearing the chicest flight attendant outfit I have ever seen in my life. It is tailored to her body. Like it is, there's not a room for her to drink a glass of water in this fucking dress. No, it's red, black zipper on the back. It looks like a Victoria Beckham dress. Yeah. It does not, even Arab <laughs> Emirates gals are not dressed this fucking good. <laughs> so then the cops board the plane and this is my favorite fucking moment. He goes, oh, do you have my laptop? Like this is what an entitled man he thinks. He thinks that the police in New York rushed his laptop 
to JFK in traffic to give him a laptop. Like, you're a fucking numbnut, dude. Yeah. Um, I guess he's also <laughs> a rapist outside of being <laughs> entitled. Uh, but he's, like, confused to be arrested. So we can get the vibe. Like, he doesn't know what he did wrong. Like, he is very confused by this. Um, and then he's claiming diplomatic immunity, which seems like an insane thing to ever exist. I don't understand that. So if you're work at an embassy, you go to another country, you can commit all the crimes you want and leave and peace out. I don't understand. Yeah, I I mean, it's... I think there's definitely rules, but I've definitely been confused and disgusted by diplomatic immunity before, for sure. I I just really um, don't get it. So we have this guy in the interrogation fish tank, and Finn gives a little... So he gives a clue that Stabler's not around, and he says Stabler would have loved to fucking go at him, which he would. So Munchfin, Craig, and Rollins are having, like, fun cop chats, and in walks the lawyer of the guilty, uh, Marvin Exley. Ron Rifkin plays him. And quick fact about him, he was an Orthodox Jew until the age of 32 and also born on Halloween. So Marvin Exley. And then after Marvin Exley, we get another surprise of a fucking lifetime. Alex Cabot is back from the Congo. I, I mean, were you, I, could, I was shrieking. I mean, I've seen this multiple times, but this was huge. Yeah, she she was inspired by the story of Narda Lee. Remember that episode? Well, yes, I remember she <laughs> left, but I didn't know that she was going to come back. No, that oh, monologue yeah. of her on the stand haunts me for life. Yeah. And that was a wild episode. But <laughs> now we So they're get- filling in Cabot. Filling her in. And then we have Rollins talking about the cum saliva mixture. And (laughs) (laughs) she goes, nice, juicy cocktail from the drain. So that's Rollins. We get to know about her. We learn (laughs) that the maid, Miriam, has two sons. Uh, Their father is dead and he was killed in a fight. And she's like, listen, I hear he's a rich guy. Like, what is this even worth it? What am I going to do? He's so rich. And Benson's like, don't. No, this won't be easy, but we don't care who he thinks he is, but he's going to jail. Um, so that is a nice moment. Um, and then we have another man with an accent who comes in defending his friend. He He's letting us know that the perp was actually playing golf with the president of the United States. So he is highly connected. There are so many people in this episode. So then Bureau Chief ADA Michael Cutter walks in and he was, he has like David Cassidy type hair from the (laughs) 60s um, and a sharp nose. And he's a good guy on all accounts, I believe. Do you have any strong opinions on him? No, I think so. He's he's a little forgettable, but he's a good guy. You, You, unlike Hadid, I feel like you have the feeling that this guy's like for the victims and like, uh, wants to do good. Yeah, I'm into him. And then what I, we learned from Cabot, she says diplomatic immunity helps you from prosecution, not from arrest. So confusion of diplomatic immunity grows and grows. So you can get arrested, but you can't be prosecuted. Then what's the point? I don't really, okay, I don't whatever. Know. I have no fucking yeah. idea. It's yeah. um, it's very weird. And I think if you work at the embassy, you should have less I'm rights. sure somebody that... L- 
Well, somebody that listens and is like a criminal well, or like a law in law school or something, tell us about this diplomatic immunity thing. We don't we're we're, we're not we're having a hard time with it. Go on. And then this is a very shocking moment for me in SVU where so Miriam is being brought into the precinct and everyone stops. It becomes silent and they stare at her. Are you not the special victims unit? Like, yeah, that, it's a really happened? weird moment because a million victims have walked through that door. And I've yeah. ne- you ne- I've never seen that before. Yeah. It, it was very weird. And she's like, they're all staring at me. She also does not like it. And then we see that there's a lot of other um, maids from the hotel being questioned. Now, I did, Rollins is fangirling Mariska. She's like, oh my God, I studied all your cases. I'm obsessed with you. I'll do anything you need. And it's like... <sighs> I guess they all have heroes too. I didn't realize that cops like follow each other's cases and have I cop don't heroes know from other if states. That's true. <laughs> like I don't it, know if the cops down in Atlanta are like researching New York cases, but it's cute. It's like a cute little dynamic to set up. Yeah, she's just like you're my you're my hero. I love you so much. Um, so that's that. And then Marishka's like. I have work to do. Like, yeah. get away from me. Um, but whatever. So we've, uh, he's, oh, a little thing is he charged the hotel on his personal card, not his business card. So like, does this immunity hold up if this was a personal right. vacation? Because it seems like he was just there visiting a grandkid or whatever. So we get the Vic statement. She is from the Sudan and she came here on political asylum. Benson is looking at Stabler's desk longingly. She is missing him so much. She cannot live without him. And Cragen says, listen, it's up to Stabler. Like, I I don't know what you want from me. I'm not at in this charge point, of everyone. We don't, at this point, we don't know what's up. We know he's been like sort of semi-suspended or like under investigation for the shooting. We don't know if he's coming back or not. Yeah. Thank you. So then they do a lineup and my dream is to one day be one of the fake people in a lineup. Like that seems like really fun because I loved doing jury duty and this seems like a good time too. But Lisa, much like with your audition, you wouldn't be able to smile. You could, no. you can't go out in a lineup and be like, hi. <laughs> You're right. Oh God. But hopefully one day someone that looks like me commits a crime and I can go on in there. Yeah, no, hopefully baby. no more crimes forever. But you know, I one time did have a stunt double and it was a great day of my life. It was oh, really fun. Oh, I did know that. You told me. Yes. Yeah. It was really fun. Um, <laughs> so in the investigation, she IDs him in like 0.5 seconds. I've never seen an ID so fast. And Marvin Exley looks a little worried. And then Finn's dumbass. Oh, no, not Finn. My bad. Time out. <laughs> so th- who says this, though? Fuck. The, Probably the, the lawyer. The, no, who, Roberto. He says oh, it. He okay. goes, on the word of a maid. And Finn goes, my grandma was a maid. And it was like, snap. Yeah, you don't fuck with Finn. I yeah. was like, Finn would not talk shit about maids. And uh, you, <laughs> I was right. <laughs> I just wrote it back. Um, and so then Cragen gives a speech to the whole precincts of like, we're under a microscope considering uh, Stabler killed a girl in the squad room. So please mind your P's and Q's. Do everything by the book. Do not fuck this up. And they're going to try to spoil the victim any way possible. Like, fine tooth comb, do your do your job. We are under investigation. And then we get Benson speaking Italian. Um, she loves throwing that oh, in there. Of course. Benson speaks Italian. She speaks Spanish. I think she speaks a little bit of French. She's in the... To the She's into the romance languages. Oh, Hungarian. She's she's a romance language girl, plus a little bit of Eastern Europe. 
shaking yeah. in there, I guess. So um, Melinda Warner uh, has a great quote, and she says, DNA is like God. It's everywhere. And I really liked that. And it's when she's, yeah. um, you know, getting samples off of the Italian guy. Well, it's also an interesting thing to say to a guy who thinks he's God. Like, this guy thinks he can get away with anything. And it's like, you know what's God? DNA is God. Like, DNA will fuck you. <laughs> like Rollins is always, she's always does, she always does this because we learn later that she was, she grew up in an abusive household. So it makes sense to, like, kind of identify with the power position, like for survival, whatever. But yeah. she's always trying to discredit the victims, I feel like. And this is the beginning of why I started to hate Rollins. And then she, you know, her fucking sister. But um, <laughs> so she's like, come on, why are we doing this? Just a maid. Something's fishy. I don't believe this. Um, and then Munch, of course, <laughs> gets a quote in and he's like, power corrupts absolutely or something like that. You know, just some nonsense. Absolute power corrupts absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he's a book of quotes. And <laughs> so then Rollins does my favorite thing where she's like, did anyone try to talk to him? I'll do it. Um, and so she brings her sexy ass down to where in the holding cell. And she starts trying to manipulate him, getting information, being on his side. She brings him Italian food. It looks like melted lasagna. It does not look good. And he doesn't want to eat it. But, you know, he's playing along a little bit. He's giving her nothing. And then at the end, he says, later, I will be free and you will be out of a job. So it's like, yeah, Rollins, he saw through your game. Like, you're, I don't know. Um, he also she thought she else. could like flirt her way into getting some information from him or something. Yeah, and it's like he's a political, I don't know. He's Which has worked for Rollins. It does go on to work for Rollins. It's just in this case, it's not really working. Yeah, you're right. He also said something that fucking enrages me in Italian, and it's man has fact and woman has words, and it's like, yeah, go away. Um, okay, so then Cabot's back to work. She's, you know, doing things, um, and wildly, he gets remanded to Rikers, which is pretty shocking for someone that rich and powerful. Mm -hmm. And so that was, like, pretty exciting. So, Stephanie March, thank you for your wonderful work. So they're in a motel, which I don't under... They couldn't leave her in her house. I was confused why they had to be in a motel. Or does she live in a motel full time? It was for her safety, I think. Okay. Yeah. I think because it's such a high-profile case, they had to move her. Um, they could have given her a nicer room. I'm sorry. Yeah. It wasn't a great motel. She's in distress. Um, So she... Benson and Cabot are there, and they're like, are you lying? Do you want money? You have to tell us everything. And this is when we learn about Miriam's gruesome past, and she um, was gang-raped after her husband was killed, and these people had, like, the blood of her dead husband on them, and it was just, like, this awful rape past that she had and we're back in the precinct and uh-oh who is it iab rolling on in so craigan and benson are talking about the stabler shootings and he has six shootings now i love elliot stabler that's too many i'm sorry yeah <laughs> i'm sorry yeah like he I'm, also has like he also has like use of force on his jacket like he's got a lot of problems and refuses to go to therapy like that's the thing yeah. that's crazy it's like can you uh, I, oh, I don't know. And then Benson's just fighting. I'm like, you're trying to give him up, Craig, and this is not okay. They were they were good jobs, blah, blah, blah. And Craigan's like, I have his back. Shut up. They're having, it's just like he did. And he's like, all he has to do is a psych eval and anger management. And Benson is like, he would never do that. And it's like, that is a problem, okay? Right. Like, 
Right. Those are pretty easy things to do to keep your job and your career that you supposedly love. Yeah, you're so against anger management, bro. You killed a team. Yeah. Love Stabler, but after 13 seasons, you shot... That's an average of one shooting one person every other season. Like, that's too many people. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, And then... But I do love Benson in this moment. Her hair is half up, half down, and it's a little messy, and it's probably one of my favorite looks that yeah, I've ever I, seen Yeah, I noted her. that as well. I did like her hair a lot in this episode. I fucking love it. So the Italian man's wife is here, and she's telling the cameras, he's amazing, he's amazing. And they kiss and hug in front of the cameras, and um, she has, like, she has two string of pearls around her neck, so you know she's uber wealthy. You know what I mean? Um, Two giant pearls. And he gets house arrest. And now the gang, they meet up at a bar, cop bar, peanuts on the table, um, and they're here to have philosophical discussions, I guess, uh, about their friend, uh, Stabler. So they're at the bar and Benson's like, we need him back. And Finn, with some smart insights, like, he shot a girl. He might not want to come back. Like, it's not a IAB. It's not the system. It it might just be a personal decision on his part. Maybe he wants to hang out with his daughter who needs help. Like, yeah. leave him alone. Um, But I would love to know where... Where he went. Is he doing yeah. private security for Rihanna, for rich people? Is he, did he get a pension? Did he open a corner store? I just, <laughs> is he preaching? Is he, he turned into a Catholic priest? Yeah. No. I guess no. that's hard he, after you've had five kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I about to say, I think he likes to fuck too much. Um, so then, uh oh cover of the newspaper, Miriam lied. Um, not lied. I take that back. Basically, um, another hotel maid sold her out. Audio recorded her talking about how, like, this guy's rich. I'm going to get millions of dollars from him. I'm going to, you know, try to get all this cash from him. And it's like, that doesn't negate it. And if you were attacked by someone, why couldn't you be like, I want him in jail and I want tons of money from him? Like, I don't see how that is so bad, but she wasn't honest and the defense right. is going to spin this. Like, she just wants the money and it's not real. And what the fuck, this coworker, you dumb bitch. And then, you know, they're asking Miriam, they're like, did you hire a civil attorney? She did, which is bad. But... The rape is consistent throughout the story. Um, that's what, you know, like in the tape, explaining it to the girl is the same way she explained it to everybody else. Um, and they're discussing, like, what's going to happen. And then this is sad. ADA Mike says perception is not reality. And so that's what a lot of rape cases seem to come down to is like how you can make the jury think of someone and what actually happened does not matter. Um, And then Benson gives Rollins like a good job when she tracks another hotel maid who was uh, pushed on the bed by Roberto D'Estacio, but but he stopped attacking her when she screamed. And Rollins is just so happy. Benson gave her a good job. She's smiling ear to ear. She (laughs) is fucking pumped. Um, And now we are at trial. Um, we find out that she was convicted of prostitution in South Sudan, but she says it's because, like, she was raped, and when she went to the police, they called her a whore, said she broke Sharia? 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 Sharia law. 
that she broke Sharia law and that they would stone her to death. And so it just brings up the magnitude of like the world and patriarchy, power, money, and how hard it is for people all over the world to get justice in any way. Um, the ADA who I said was a good guy is annoying the shit out of me. That is the note I have on my paper. Um, (laughs) he doesn't think they're going to win and Benson actually doesn't believe her anymore. And the new DA wants to drop the charges. The ADA and Cabot are fighting and they're having lawyer agreements about ethics and what's right and what's wrong. And Cabot's manipulating him and being like, I heard you're the best, but you ain't shit. And so they're kind of having this conversation. And now we're, we have this amazing testimony scene and the lawyer has games up his sleeve um and it's fucked up he's like you lied on your documents when you entered the u.s you they asked if you'd been convicted of a crime and you said no and you had been convicted so you're a liar and you lied about this and it's just like anyone on the jury that is tricked by this it just infuriates me Uh, it's like if he if you're trying to get in into a country and escape an awful situation and help your children live a better life you're gonna say anything Yeah. Like, what does that have to do with being raped? It's just so fucked up, the games that they play. But, um, yeah, I, it's, it it just pisses me off. And it is also crazy, like, what you have here. Like, how does that mean? When someone lies once, does that mean they're always a liar? Like, you can literally talk to some of my teachers in school. I probably cheated on a test once. That doesn't mean I'm a forever liar cheater and I should never get justice for anything that happens to me. Correct. And it's just like such a privileged place to be like, well, why would you lie in this application? It's like, because if she didn't, she, she has not- to stay in the Sudan. Like, fuck you. And then Finn is the one with... Finn is very wise uh, this episode. And he says what I've been saying. Like, he's he's trying to get her kids into the country. Like, damn, leave her the fuck alone. And then Benson brings up a really good point. She says, it's one thing to be consistent and one thing to be verbatim. And we see this a lot in SVU. It is suspicious when the facts never, ever change. Um, And yeah, so this happens a lot. And Finn is like, but don't you think the guy did it? And Benson rolls her eyes in a way I've never seen, like so (laughs) aggressively annoyed by Finn. Um, And I loved it. So then the motherfucker Italian guy takes the stand and he is saying like, I would never pay for this. Why would I have to? I'm like so powerful and cool. Women love power. She knew exactly who I was. She wanted to do this. She asked for it. And then afterwards said, give me 10 grand or I'm going to say you raped me. And it's like, if this was the truth, why wouldn't you say it sooner? Why wouldn't this be the first thing out of your mouth? Like this did not happen. And second of all, I don't think Miriam is that good of an actor to start like crying in the hallway after this happened. And no one's just, I mean, I, that's not true, but I don't think many people are just asking to give blowjobs willy nilly at their job. Like, I'm just going to say that. But if you are someone that likes to do that, I'm not judging you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But um, get fingered a little. Okay. So anyways, he's just talking BS and I hate him so much. So then Cabot gets to cross-examine the witness and she starts grilling him and she does an incredible job. She's like, well, you have fucking injuries and she was fighting you off. Like, excuse me. He's like, no, that's like the game. That's what women want. Like, they just want this power struggle. He said it's part of the dance, doesn't he? Yes. Yeah. Um, And... 
And he goes, it's in the woman's eyes, no matter what the words say. And she goes, even if the word is no, and she's scratching and fighting and crying and asking for help five minutes later, like that is your, that's your cue to keep going, you fucking piece of shit. And so I'm glad Mm -hmm. Cabot um, just did an amazing job. And then... The heartbreak of the episode, if it wasn't heartbreaking enough, we get another witness for the defense that just came forward. And it's a Sudanese man who helped her fill out her form. And he said that the best way to get into the U.S. is to get raped. And he was like, no, don't say one soldier, say 12. And basically, he told her to lie on this application. And now out of nowhere, he's flying in to testify against her. What the who is this? Yeah, it's so crazy. Also, she is saying she was raped and he just increased the number of people. Like, she was actually raped. She just, he just made it 12 people instead of one person. Yes, but like, are you reading the news and deciding I'm going to fuck over this woman that I helped? I just, who, I just don't understand this guy. Yeah. So this this guy just comes over to screw this woman over and then Cabot zingers and she goes, so you coach people to lie? That's your job? Closing arguments, they both do a good job. I don't know what to say. It it was good. Um, And the jury is taking so long and she's like, is that a good sign or is that a bad sign? And the jury is unable to have a unanimous verdict. And I was like so scared it was going to be a mistrial, but the judge is allowing it. Something new I learn in SVU all the time. I didn't know that was possible. And so it comes back and we get on count one, he's innocent, but count two, guilty. And he's fucking shocked. We're all shocked. And they started to celebrate too early when they said he was like innocent on count one. And so um, I'm happy he was arrested. And the judge said he'll do one year at Rikers, which obviously for a rape is not adequate amount of time but for a rich powerful guy like this i think this is a win honestly like to have him do a year is amazing so then we're back in the precinct and craigan tells benson to close the door and elliot put his papers in and there's nothing craigan can do about it and benson says you know he's earned it and she doesn't want to talk to craigan about it she does not want to take a day off are you kidding me Craigan. Mariska does not take a day off ever, ever, ever. Um, she's fine and she's tearing up, but she's okay. And then the job never stops. And immediately we get a call 1034 on Waverly and Benson and Finn are going to, you know, roll to the case and hearing Waverly reminds me of Waverly Inn and it's such a good restaurant. And oh my God, I want to go there. So anyways, um, Benson locks herself in into, into an interrogation room and starts to really cry, like fucking cry, panting, breath cry. She is so sad. That's her guy. And it's an intense cry. I think it's like, it's like that scene is like, if you ever thought that she didn't have like more than just good best friends, cop, coworker feelings for him, like she is heartbroken in this scene. Like this is not just like, oh snap, who's going to get me coffee and go to the diner with me at 4 a.m. Like this is like, she is devastated that he is not going to be she with is, her every day. But I was watching um, the Office girls, Angela and Pam, on Watch What Happens Live, and they were saying on the end of the Office they all cried hysterically. I don't think they're all fucking each other and romantically into, but they are no loved. at the end. But uh, yeah, that's true. And look, me, I cry when anything ends. I used to cry at the, after my dance recital every year because I was like, oh my god, it's over. Even though I was starting two months later, like again, like I cry when everything ends but it just 
feels like he's still going to be in your life. You can still talk to him. You live in the same city, but I don't know. I just feel like there's something. That cry is really intense. It is intense. And obviously she loves him more than just like a casual partner, but... I yeah I that's the that's the whole not the whole but that is an element of SVU and why we love it is their dynamic and their love but also they've been through so much but there is a clip with Benson with Mariska Hargitay talking about the relationship and she was saying how like why there's been more romantic interests for her post Stabler is because she did love him so much that there was no room for another man in Benson's life. Yes, I've seen that clip. Yeah, so, you know, is she letting us know that there was more? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, let's take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to get into the extremely, extremely similar true crime that this episode was based on. Let's get into this. This story is so closely based on the story of Dominique Strauss-Kahn. This uh, incident happened in 2011, May 14th of 2011. I was living in New York. This was all over the newspaper. This was like the story, like so huge, so huge. I did not know who this man was in advance, but apparently anyone interested in like international economics, policy, politics knew, knew who he was. He was a very well-known person. Which is no one um, that we know personally. Which is no one that I <laughs> talk to or hang out with or me. Uh, so Dominique Strauss-Kahn was a French economist and politician, but most, most notably, he was the managing director of the IMF, which is the International Monetary Fund, from 2007 to 2011. He spoiler alert, resigned following a sexual assault scandal. This is that story. Dun dun. On May 14, 2011, Nafisatu Diallo, who was a 32-year-old maid at the Sofitel Hotel in New York, alleged that the 62-year-old Strauss-Kahn sexually assaulted her in her suite. That's the overview. Now, it's funny because you were talking about the Park Milano. That is a, that's clearly trying to be like an Italian style hotel. The Sofitel is a French style hotel, which is a real hotel in New York. It's on 44th Street between 5th and 6th, which to me is not where I would want to stay. It's like Times Square, but it is like a fancy hotel. When I worked at a terrible job in recruiting, when I first moved to New York, we used to put some of our um, like recruits up at the Sofitel. It's like, it's very nice. So now... This entire scandal is happening kind of against the backdrop of the financial crisis of the late 2000s, like early 2010s, like 08, 09, 2010, 2011. So the IMF helps to consult. They intervene in policies. They shape global economies. It's a very important organization, and he is the head of it. So this is like a very powerful, wealthy, internationally renowned person who is at the time, thought to be the next president of France. So um, the, pre the president at the time was um, Nicolas Sarkozy, and I think he and Dominique Strauss-Kahn very much butted heads, and I think he was planning to run against him. Dominique Strauss-Kahn, DSK, we'll just call him DSK going forward, it's still like going to take up a lot less time. He is uh, actually a member of the Democratic Socialist Party, so he is left, he's left-leaning, he's left-wing. So there are creeps on both sides of the aisle. I know we hear a lot about uh, right-wing guys, like, you know, having affairs and doing all this stuff, but no, this guy's, guy's left-wing. No, but I always actually, when people are like, 
oh, that Democrat. And it's like, yeah, no, we know everyone does it. Yeah, everyone. They're all bad. Painters, all bad. artists, teachers, pre. What are you talking about? Yeah. I hate yeah. when they like the parties kind of like get some sick joy when someone from the other side commits an assault. Well, it's like, I do you're think all abusers. That, right. But I do think it is there is something um sort of satisfying about catching a right wing person in sort of like a, a homosexual situation after they've been uh, anti-homosexual for a long time, being bigoted oh, yeah. for a long time. Oh, I call, kind of love that. Getting There's something caught, fun about that. Or like getting caught shoe- doing a shoe tap in a bathroom when you've been like anti-marriage uh, equality. I love that. Yeah, um, hypocrisy being called out as always. Yeah, always nice fun. Cherry. So he is leading um, the polls in France. He's leading in the polls as like the left-wing candidate a year out from the presidential election, okay? They showed, like I, I watched this documentary of him um, that's called Room 28. The Accusation. It's on Netflix right now. It's a four-part uh, documentary. Very interesting. If you want more information on this case, they show him wearing a Yes We Con t-shirt, like K-A-H-N, like his last name. Very funny. Uh, so basically, May 13th, he checks into the Sofitel, New York. He is upgraded to the presidential suite. Ringing any bells? He asks repeatedly for a female employee to bring champagne to his suite. So there is a consistency in him asking employees to go to his room. So that night, the 13th, he went out. He came home with a female companion in the middle of the night. She leaves a few hours later. I should mention he is also married. He's married also to an extremely wealthy woman. She's worth much, much more than him. Nafisatu Diallo, on the other hand, is an immigrant. She's a single mom. She is an immigrant from West Africa, from Guinea, and she came to the U.S. for a better life. Now, she's living in the Bronx, in a low-income part of the Bronx, and she's commuting every day to one of the richest neighborhoods, probably in the world, but also in the city. But she is super happy with this job. She says it pays well. She's in a union. She has benefits. Like, she's really jazzed that she got this job at the Sofitel. Now, she's going upstairs on, this is May 14th, the day after he brings home his little uh, companion. So the 14th, a room service guy tells her that he has checked out. So she knocks three times and says, housekeeping, no answer. So she opens the door and like, she's giving this interview in the documentary and she's crying. It's like really, really like it gets you. She checks the room. There's no bags, no laptop on the desk, nothing. She doesn't see any, but you know, she, she has said housekeeping several times. Suddenly he comes out naked. She covers her eyes and starts apologizing like, oh, I'm so sorry. He grabs her breasts and goes, you don't have to be sorry. He pushes her on the bed. She begs for him to stop. She doesn't want to lose her job. She even has, he says to her, you won't lose your job. Like that's how powerful this guy thinks he is that he can do whatever he wants and like nothing's gonna happen to you babe like I'm important here and um she even makes up a lie on the spot to try to get him to stop she goes my supervisor's right outside like that's not true but she's freaking out she describes him as like a monkey like an animal like he's pawing at her and trying to get her clothes off she's resisting he pushes her down onto the ground and forces himself into her mouth exactly like what happens in the episode she spits it out she feels disgusting and dirty she runs outside And then she sees him walking down the hallway five minutes later with his bags. So I find that very interesting, too, that it's like later they're going to claim it's consensual. So you just had like a consensual um, thing and then she runs out of the room. And then five minutes later, you're rushing out of the hotel with your bags. Is that usually how your consensual sexual affairs go? Why did her coworker say that he had checked out? Maybe when he went into the room to pick up the the trays, he, he didn't see the guy. Maybe he was in the bathroom. Okay. I don't know. That's a good that's a good detail question, but they don't get into that. So her supervisor comes and had never seen her that way before. And, um, you know, 
like she's uh, concerned about reporting. So she's not sure she wants to report it. They take her to the security office. She tells them what happens. She goes, and that's how the drama started. Drama being like something that changed her life forever. She's scared to go to the hospital. She's scared she's going to lose her job. They get her statements and she is always consistent and credible throughout everything. Like she knows exactly what happened. She says what happened. And basically an hour passes from the time of the attack and the time of the 911 call. She didn't want to call the police and the two heads of security kind of convinced her to call the police. And then this is very interesting. Since it's a hotel, there's cameras everywhere, right? The two security guys, two heads of security, they kind of go into this side room that looks almost like a kitchen. Like, I don't know, it's some, it's some, you know, back hallway of the, of the hotel. And they, on camera, do like a victory dance. They hug each other. It's like their team just won the Super Bowl. And so that comes into play later, like that they have this on tape. Like, why are these guys celebrating? They, people think that it's like them celebrating that they've effectively ended this man's career. But other people are saying, oh, they're just excited that justice is going to be done and that they convinced her to call the police. So there's two sides of that. Um, now, they want to arrest, they want, the police want to find him. They don't know where he is. Then, ripped from the pages of a Law & Order SVU script, he calls the hotel and says, I left my cell phone behind. Instead of a laptop, now it's a cell phone. He stated that he was at the Air France Lounge at JFK. And so the police take off and go right there. And exactly like on the show, DSK is seated on an Air France flight about to take off. The Port Authority police board the plane. On the show, of course, they let Finn do it and they let Munch do it. Uh, Many times they've arrested people on a plane about to take off. I think normally it's the Port Authority police. He gets handcuffed and taken off the plane. And he specifically asked for them to like, put his jacket over the handcuffs so that when he's walking through the airport, it just looks like a man walking through the airport with two other men. Like, it doesn't look like he's being, you know, hauled off like a perp walk. Um, Did they do it? Yeah, yeah. He tried to act like he had diplomatic immunity, which is not true, because I don't think he's a diplomat. He's just an important international figure. He's not an actual diplomat. They examine her in her physical examination. They find bruising on her shoulder and neck. Her pantyhose has been ripped. They find sperm on her blouse mixed with her saliva. So it's all, you know, backing her story. They take her through the the crime scene. And the cops that talk in this documentary were like, she seemed like the victim of an assault. Like, she... Like, there's a, an outcry witness. There's always the person that, not always, but in many cases, there is a person that the victim goes to immediately to tell their story. She had eight outcry witnesses. Like, she told her supervisor. She told the security guys. She told, cop, like, within an hour of this happening, she had told many people about what happened. Um, and her story didn't really change or waver. So they were racing to question DSK before he lawyered up, but he got a lawyer too quickly. His lawyers obviously say that there was no force or violence. It was consensual. It was consensual. Excuse me. They say it was consensual, but then the cops are like, if it was consensual, why didn't they have sex on the bed? Why did they go down into this weird hallway in the room? Why was she forced onto her knees? Why did she spit out the ejaculate, flee, outcry? It's like, it's too many. It's also nine minutes because there's cameras everywhere. They know exactly how long she was in that room for. Like nine minutes is a pretty like short amount of time to like go in, make a connection, decide to have a consensual sexual thing and no, then run I'm out sorry, of the room. I'm sorry, Kara, but we're, um, we're going to use consensual. <laughs> we need to come up with uh, what that means, but yeah, I love Consexual. it. <laughs> um, 
So they, she, exactly like in the episode, she does a lineup. She picks them out of the lineup twice, like no problem. Uh, she feels like throwing up doing the lineup because she's so close to him. And she says, I would never forget his face. The person who did this to me, like, of course, um, he has, he has several charges. His charges include attempted rape, unlawful imprisonment, criminal sex act. They have him in holding and the press show up. And like the press on this is enormous. Like, I think huge, huge, huge. Like this is like, a celebrity, but on top of that, there's international news stations that are interested in it. So it's not just like CNN and whoever coming by in New York Post. It's like, you know, French newspapers, German, Asian, like everyone's coming over from everywhere to like check out this story because he's such a huge international figure. And so she gets home from the night, this whole day of being interrogated. She hasn't even been able to take a shower or like rinse her mouth out like from this horrible incident. And she turns on the TV in her house and it's immediately all over her TV in the news and she's freaking out because she didn't know. Nobody told her this guy is French. This guy is this huge. She knows he's powerful, I think, because he's in the presidential suite at, the, at her expensive hotel. But I don't think she knows that he's this huge, huge figure and that this is such an international news item. So... She's gets really upset. And eventually so many people start coming to her home to try to talk to her because they track down where she lives that she actually has to separate from her 15-year-old daughter. They, she has to go stay with relatives. Are and I there think she, like rape victim protection laws in that way? Like you can't release names and information and stalk rape victims? There is. Uh, there is. I know that there are, you don't release names of rape victims, but there's always ways that people find this stuff out. I don't I don't really know how they all know, knew where she lived, but they were, so in the documentary, up. there's footage of people going to her apartment building and trying to like talk to neighbors and, ev and everything. So this is an event that like completely changed her entire life. So in the episode, Lisa, I don't know if we actually covered this, but Cragen says, take him out the back, no perp walk. And then they do it anyway. They give him a perp walk and it's like really like a ton of cameras. That's exactly what happened in real life. They perp walk DSK. Like in the episode, they talk about perp walks in this documentary where they say they've been going on for decades. Like, and they were like, listen, we tell the media when we're going to come out with the perp because we just want them to get their shot and get the hell out of there. Otherwise, they hang around for 12 to 14 hours a day outside of our precinct waiting for this person to come out. So it kind of makes sense. But then the lawyer for DSK says they're totally pointless perp walks. They just give police a moment in the sun and they they only serve to embarrass the, um, the accused. So, but it's massive. Like the number of people that are like standing on vans and like everyone's taking photos of him. Like it's a ton, ton, ton of people because they're transporting him from uh, a certain precinct, I think to like a downtown courthouse. People in France like do not believe that he's done anything. They think this is a plot to sabotage his presidency. And it's like they show in this documentary, they show all these clips of like gross old white guys going, this man does not know violence. Like he's a womanizer, but he is not violent. It's like, how could you know that about your friend? How could you know that? Have you ever been in a sexual encounter with him? Like, you don't know what he's into. So obviously through all this, they unearth a ton of shit about him. He is this like wild womanizer. He is a real sexually free kind of dude. And I don't judge him for any of that, like, because he goes to swingers clubs, he goes to sex clubs. I'm not judging any of that. He did have an affair 
with a senior staffer at the IMF who claimed that she was harassed into the affair. That like, because of his position at the IMF, she felt she was like damned if she did and damned if she didn't. And so she was like forced into this affair with him. The IMF did their own investigation into that affair and said it was inappropriate, but they they found that he had no wrongdoing and that he didn't physically force her, but she felt forced by the power imbalance, which is exactly what Me Too and Harvey Weinstein and everything is about. She got a divorce. Her career suffered. He got off completely scot-free. Like, so typical, like, thing that you so see So she did lose time. her job. Uh, I think, yeah, she stopped, she stopped working there, and I know that her— She was made redundant later. Yes, she was fired. So, Yeah. And he got nothing. So his nothing. behavior became like a joke. Yeah, this is for the IMF thing. This is for the IMF Oh, okay. Thing. Sorry, that's what I'm talking about. Sorry, I'm talking about his affair at the IMF that happened earlier. Yeah. So his behavior was just like a joke to people. Like I'm still in France, upset about that too. Yeah, he's just like a Don Juan. Everyone's like, oh, he goes to swingers. He has swingers parties. He has this like unbridled sex life. And apparently his very wealthy wife was always just kind of like, no, he doesn't. I believe him. Like she just never like... She just couldn't see him for who he was. Uh, or maybe she did see him for who he was and didn't care. I don't know. And so he is a major adversary of Sarkozy, the president of France, who thought that his sexual proclivities would definitely preclude him from ever being president of France. He was like, this guy's never going to make it. He's too. It's like how we all thought Donald Trump's never going to be president. He's been married three times with different kids from different mo baby mamas. And like he's, you know, there's no way. But. I think there can be a way. So DSK, before this trip, right before this trip to New York, he reveals that he thinks he's being surveilled by like Sarkozy and like Sarkozy's government, that um, he thinks his phone calls are being tapped, his emails are being looked at, and that he thinks Sarkozy's building a case against him. So this is some real house of cards shit. And then two days later, after this, two days after the assault, a member of his own party speaks up and says that he assaulted her daughter a 23-year-old journalist nine years earlier. And they interview this woman. She's a very gorgeous French woman. So this French journalist, when she heard the story, she couldn't even, she thought it was made up. She thought the maid made up the story because it was so identical to her own story. She thought this woman has heard my story and is repeating it to try to get him because that's how similar they were. Basically, she interviewed DSK. He said, oh, if you want to talk more, let's meet up, you know? He invited her to an empty apartment where he turned off her recorder that she placed on the table. He attacks her. They, like, fight on the floor. And she said he seemed very excited by the violence of it. But she got away. She she ran out before he could actually, like, assault her. And, I mean, he assaulted her, but before he could, you know, m m further it. And she said it was basically like a scene from a horror movie. So... Back in New York... So now, so now this woman's name is Tristan, and she is... Uh, she is now thinking about pressing charges against him because it's like, she's like, as much as I keep trying to bury this story, it keeps coming up that this man like assaulted me. So now we're back in New York with uh, DSK and his lawyer, one of his lawyers is Ben Braffman, king of New York defense attorneys who has represented Michael Jackson, Harvey Weinstein, Puff Daddy, Jay-Z, and a bunch of mob guys. So basically, so DSK is facing seven charges and a possible 74 years in prison, Okay. Prosecutors do not want him to jump bail or they said even if he was under house arrest, like who's to say he wouldn't do this again to some poor delivery person or something. Uh, and they mentioned that he may have committed this crime before. So he is actually, much like the episode, not granted bail. 
he is remanded to Rikers, which is exactly what happens in the episode and is very shocking that that would happen to such a rich, well-known person. They offer him to do an electronic anklet. They offer all this stuff. And he, they're like, no, he's he's remanded. He's not granted bail. He doesn't scream out. He doesn't freak out. He doesn't do anything bad in the courtroom. Like, he just says to his lawyers, okay, just, like, get me off. Like, let's go. So he he gets moved to Rikers. He's on suicide watch there. They fe- His lawyers truly feel like he needs to be released uh, or he will be attacked or killed at Rikers because Rikers is notoriously horrible, and uh, they think he's going to be— I don't know if they have the ability to put him into solitary or away from Gen Pop or whatever, but— and amongst all this, he resigns from the IMF and his wife stands by him the entire time. And there's like, he has like an assistant in the documentary who's like, the saddest moment of my life was writing up his resigna- resignation letter. I started crying in the middle. I was like, lady, get a life. Look at your boss. This guy is disgusting. Anyway, so a lot like what happens in the episode, every time he appears in court, there is like an amazing protest outside the courthouse of women. Like women are going nuts. A lot of people do think that the DSK trial was the start of the Me Too movement because it reflected this reflected a lot of what was going on at the time. There's like huge protests, maids from other hotels, like the union, the maids union bust them all in, got them all there, probably paid them while they were protesting, which I thought was really cool of this union. So they they bring him back to court because he appeals the bail. He now does get bail. So he was in Rikers for a few days, but then he does get bail. He gets a home detention ankler, uh, ankle monitor. He um, has to have an armed guard that he pays for. If there's any problems at all, if he does anything wrong, he will be remanded again. So his rich wife rents this luxury apartment in Tribeca, which of course there are photos of because there's real estate sites and everything. So everyone's publishing these photos of like where Dominic Strauss-Kahn is like, in jail in like a huge loft apartment in Tribeca. And then he has a lot like the friend that you talk about in um, the SVU episode who comes in and is like, this is a farce. He has this friend who's another politician or some kind of high up guy from France comes over. He's one of the only people that the judge approves for DSK to have a visitor. And he suggests to him, you know, the way the courts work in America, you really only have to convince one juror that you're that you're innocent. And New York has such a high Jewish population and DSK is Jewish. He's like, you really need to get the, the, the Jewish community on your side. So then publicly, two or three times, he has rabbis come visit him at this Tribeca loft. For just all for the... I just don't understand why the judge allowed him to have a friend. It's like you're already in this luxury apartment. How do you now get friends to come hang out with you? I guess I guess because, like, you're allowed a visitor in jail, so I guess you're allowed yeah, a visitor. Yeah, but those are I recorded. Those are recorded and observed. I know. I know. I know. It's crazy. It's crazy. I don't know why, how this guy got in, but then this guy and this guy goes, it's a little trick we played, but I knew he was going to get off. And it was like... So basically, yeah, to try to get a Jew on your fucking, I don't think every Jewish person is just going to say another Jewish person's innocent, but. And who are these morally bankrupt rabbis? I know. I know. It's gross. So I said morally bankrupt. Um, as morally a corrupt Faye Resnick. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they appoint this special investigator to kind of like double check everybody's stories. And I hate this guy. He's in. The documentary, he comes across like a full asshole. He's on DSK's side immediately. They brought Diallo in for interviews and she didn't speak good English. She didn't speak English to the point where she was confident enough to give her testimony in English. And so they got a translator. He thought, he at one point noticed her correct the translator in English. So he thinks in his mind, 
she's fucking lying about not speaking English. And like, why aren't we doing this in English? You understand English, you speak English. Personally, as someone who like, I lived in Italy, I speak Italian. When the Amanda Knox case happened, I'm like, that girl's biggest mistake was that she gave all her testimony in Italian. She probably did not speak good enough Italian and she got completely misunderstood. You should have a fucking translator in your native language or in the language that you feel the most comfortable in. And that's what she did. That's not to say she doesn't speak any English. She speaks some English, but she felt more comfortable doing it in her own language. And this guy thought that was a huge red flag because when you have a translator, it gives you a moment to think about your answers. That's what his big point was. He sucks. They find a $60,000 deposit in her bank account. Kind of a red flag, sketchy. She says her fiance doesn't have a bank account and, and that that's his money that he put into her bank account. And it turns out this fiance is in Arizona in jail for drugs. I don't really know what this has to do with anything. Um, because as long as you can trace that the money didn't come from like Sarkozy, it didn't come from the president of France trying to get you to frame DSK, I don't really understand why it matters where, where this money came from as long as you can locate the original uh, where it did come from and that's it. She tells her... Um, boyfriend on a recorded call in jail, don't worry, he has a lot of money. She denies that she said this. I mean, I don't know if there's a tape or whatever. This. So the investigator that I'm talking about, this guy that I hate, is says he thinks she's a con artist. He says, you know, we don't know whether she knew he was a high wealth individual before she entered that room, but I think she did. I think he sucks. Um, it's kind of insane to think that this woman who, by her own admission, cannot read or write, but is actually part of a huge conspiracy where she was hired by the president of France to take down the president of the IMF. Like, it's just too much. It's a little bit too much, I think, of a story. She told a story to the investigator about being raped by a dozen soldiers in West Africa. Exactly the same as the episode. She cries. She It's a very emotional story. And then later she admits to the police that she made that story up. And she said a guy she met helped her do her application for asylum. Same as this fucking guy that they got. I mean, we thought that they created this insane character on us view, but this is really what happened. This guy said it would help her application for asylum to say that she was gang raped and gave her a tape of a woman telling her story of this happening to her. And that's why she had so many details and could kind of mimic the emotion and stuff like that. And her, she had a bad lawyer in the Sudan who told her to make things up for her asylum application. And like we already discussed, you can see why people do that. They're coming, trying to escape a terrible situation. So now she's just under so much scrutiny. Like they're interviewing her so many times and, uh, People on the DSK side are saying that she cried rape after he stiffed her for money after they had sex and that she's a sex worker. The New York Post. So they run a front page story calling her a prostitute. And then, uh, yeah, now we're at the trial. Like I said, her union shows up. They're they're supporting her. Like all these people are there with signs. Like, And, um, you know, essentially her lawyers are like a nine minute se sexual encounter does not add up to like a consensual thing. You know, that's, that just, that doesn't, it doesn't add up. Like none of this is making sense, but the prosecutors in the, in the case move to drop the charges because they cannot prove it beyond a reasonable doubt. So the defense doesn't even have to do anymore. The prosecutors are like, we just can't do it. We cannot make this an airtight case. The, the prosecution on August 23rd, so now it's been 
June, July, August. It's been three months. This case moved really fast. Three months the prosecution later, the prosecution says, the witness was untruthful with us several times, and this means that we cannot in good faith ask a jury to believe her testimony, and the indictment is dismissed. And um, My leg she is had shaking. To, I'm like pissed. Uh, yeah, it's, it's so infuriating. And can I just say, she had to tell her account of what happened a dozen times or more he never had to say anything. He never had to say what happened. He never had to testify. He never had to, like, not nothing. So her interviews are really, really heartbreaking. And she says, she's just like, in this documentary, like, it's really worth watching. She says, there's just, they don't do anything because I'm a nobody. Like, if I was somebody, they would have put him in jail for a long time. But I'm, I'm not, I'm nobody. And that's, it's, it's fucked up because it's not true. Because I really do think people know her name and know, and uh, like she helped bring a lot of awareness to this person. And he's not running for president of France anymore. So if anything, you stopped him from becoming more powerful than he already was. And his lawyer brags that this is one of his greatest successes. And it's disgusting. So just to follow up, a year later, he is implicated in a pimping scandal. And they have this woman in the documentary who's like, I was offered $1,500 to spend a few hours with him. She had a horrible sexual encounter with him where he did things she did not want him to do. She was like, I allowed it to happen because I need the money. But she's crying talking about it. Like, it was truly, clearly traumatic for her. Um, he denies knowing any of the women at these little parties he goes to our sex workers. So he, in 2015, he's acquitted of aggravated pimping. So now this is like multiple charges of, against this man, like multi, uh, public uh, accusations. Unfortunately, Tristan's case was dropped because of the lack of evidence and a three-year statute of limitations. But she says she feels that her and Diallo, the maid, were instrumental in the Me Too movement. So ultimately, in the end... Diallo talks in her interviews where she says, I feel that many women feel more comfortable coming forward. And like, I've, I've helped people even if like I didn't get justice and she felt feels good about that. She did reach a settlement with DSK that is confidential, but it's reported to be $1.5 million. And Dominique Strauss-Kahn has no criminal record to this day. Damn, this blows. Yeah. Fuck. And does he work now? Yeah, he's, rich con wife he, just... he, he's consulted. Well, that rich wife finally left him after the pimping scandal. Okay. He has a new hot wife and he still consults and makes money off of doing uh, being an economist. And I don't think his political aspirations will ever get to where he wanted them to be. He'll never be the president of France, but, you know, he's still working and living and fine. And I actually looked up that um, Nafisatu Diallo has opened a restaurant in the Bronx called Shea Amina, I think. So if you are in the Bronx or anywhere near, please order from there. Damn, that sucks. I can't believe the I prosecution know. just gave up like that. They Yeah, I think they were just like, we can't make this case airtight, which is pretty wild. Yeah, but she that had, means that they just care about their record and winning and losing. It's like, all, you could have swayed the jury. There could have been moments. He could have still been found right. guilty. Like, right. that upsets me that they wouldn't yeah, do and this that was case. They knew he was guilty. Yeah. Who's Cy Vance? He was the district attorney of New York for a long time, and he was the one that chose to drop the charges. But, um, yeah, and she had, like, um, she had an organization that um, was backing her throughout the whole thing that was like, this is racist. If this was, like, a black man that committed this crime against, like, a white woman, this would be totally different, you know? So it's, you know, it's like there's a lot of layers to it, but ultimately it's like this is a man who 
is like a sex addict of some sort and also violent. Not that that those are related necessarily at all, but like, you know, he was out, he was in New York for a couple of nights and he brought home a straight a woman one night and then the next night he forced a maid to give him oral sex. It's like you something's wrong with you. You need to be in jail. You know, asserting your yeah. <laughs> you need, to, you be need to be asserting jail. your power this often, like every single night, every single day, you have to be like objectifying and, and assaulting a woman in and some these way. Investigators that- and like he's bad enough, but just how many enablers there are and how many people were oh, and letting his, him get away a, with it. It was a huge thing that his wife stood behind him. She was just in constantly in every interview. It's just like in the SVU episode. I love him. He's I'm with him. I uh, you know. He's done nothing wrong, and she eventually left him, but... And I also, not that I like this, but it's interesting that you knew, like, you remember this case, and I have no idea about it. Did you live in New York in 2011? No. Well, yeah, I mean, I just, I read the free paper every day on my subway on my way to work, and like, AM New York, and it was just like, always like, whatever the big, you know, I just... They, this was like, and at your bodega when you're going to like buy a sandwich or whatever, it's just that's what's on the cover of the New York Post is like everything was about this case. It was like huge. Now I just want a bodega sandwich. <laughs> okay, well, stay tuned for our postmortem because we do not have a guest. Okay, postmortem. I mean, I watched this whole story unfold in New York as it was happening. So, of course, I was always waiting for an SVU to come out about it. And I think they did a good job showing how, you know, absolute well, power corrupts coworkers. absolutely. Yeah, don't tell your coworkers. Coworkers aren't your friends. I mean, it always is the Because mo- we know not to trust a man. But, like, it is so upsetting when it's your gal pals. Yeah, when it's your and about something like this, like what the fuck, you dumb bitch. And That's it's just it it is fucked up too how like everybody just is always looking for these perfect victims, like victims that have no never had any trouble with the law, have never told a lie before. Like it's just not it's just not possible. And it just seems like an impossible standard that we hold people up to just if they want to get justice for a crime that's been done to them. Um, but, but even if you're a quote unquote, a perfect victim, they're still, they're going to, they will always find a hole. Like it, it is really wild. Even the people, well, I mean, it's not like I have respect for the people coming to support Russell Brand, but it's like, right. E- even he doesn't look a little rapey to you. Like I just, you know, uh, Elon Musk be like, that's a good guy. I'm like that guy. Like you can't like, <laughs> He is the poster child of someone to look out for at a punk show. You know, like there would be posters of his face. It's just like they'll just defend anyone. And they know these things happen, but they're willing to defend anybody first before saying, fuck, it happens. I just don't get it. I don't get it. I'll never understand. Yeah. Um, um Well, also in... I'm like, lo- I'm looking up really quickly, like what has happened to Dominique Strauss-Kahn, like since his, his thing, like that, because this all happened in 2011. In 2015, he was acquitted of a, ch- of a, in France of quote unquote, aggravated pimping. And that was charges related to apparently regular sex orgies that he has. Like, this is obviously a, not that there's anything wrong with sex orgies, but I just feel like this man is doing bad things and taking what he wants. And he's also an under investigation right now for like tax fraud in Morocco, like stemming from properties he owns there. Like it's just these people. It's like what we were just talking about in the intro, just these people with like 
endless money that could think they can do whatever they want. It's fucked up. Well, and then the it. justice system reinforces that. And the media yeah. and all the other people, like everyone reinforces the thing like you won't even be in that much trouble. Don't worry about it. Yeah. I hope Russell Brand serves serious time like Danny Masterson. I hope all of them start fucking getting scared and acting right. That's the thing. They're so arrogant. They never think they're going to get caught. And once these motherfuckers start getting jailed, maybe they'll start behaving. But maybe they'll like, fucking zip up their goddamn pants. But it's like Cosby was jailed and then he was like let out after a year. Like I, yeah. I it would not be surprised if Danny Masterson was out in like two years. They'll just, if you have enough money, it's just appeal, 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 appeal until like, it happens. I don't know. I, I, that seems so negative, Nancy, but like, I don't know. I just feel like money buys you so much. Meanwhile, there's like people rotting in jail for having a dime bag of weed. And I hate the people that are like, ugh, they're just setting an example out of him. And it's like, I, don't, I see no problems yeah. with that. Yeah. Someone's got to be the, the example. Problem. Someone's got to be the example. What is the problem here? I just don't get like straight up, like, there's so many examples of who rapes and it's everyone and it's a lot of people in power and uh, famous people. And I don't get when the news comes out, why the initial reaction from so many people is no way. Yeah. Like, who else is doing this if it's not <laughs> this guy? Like, they just imagine Jack the Rippers, like, um, what are the death thing? The Grim Reaper. They just think <laughs> the Grim Reaper's out raping. You know what I mean? <laughs> I just always assumed the Grim Reaper was just a bunch of like mist underneath that cloak. I didn't think he had like a penis, but wow, I bet he is raping. Okay, um, should we move on? It was. To- I'll say it was great acting. And oh yeah, and diplomats. Why do they get all these extra like rules? Like commit crimes. It doesn't matter. You're in the embassy. I don't even get that. Yeah, Should those rules be stricter for government officials. Right, especially if it's, like, body-to-body crime. Like, whatever, if you want to get out of a parking ticket and you're a diplomat, I guess that's, like, a perk. But, like, bot- like actual crimes against other human beings that involve suffering feels like, no, you should be held accountable. But, you know, I'm not in the legislature, so I can't make anything happen. Um, but should we move on to our What Would Sister Peg Do for I today? I think we should. Um, this week for our What Would Sister Peg Do segment, where you guys know we give you guys uh, organization, a charity, a blog post, uh, a checklist. I don't know, something to help give you more information because Lord knows we are not the end all be all scholars on anything. Uh, I just wanted to point you to the docu-series called Room 2806, the, uh, colon, the accusation, which is a four part series on Netflix that does a deep dive into the 2011 Dominique Strauss-Kahn sexual assault case. It details his career, the allegations made by, um, Nafisatu Diallo and the fallout from the case. So if you want to get any more info on it and then write me and tell me I was wrong about a couple of things with the crime, uh, go for it. And uh, that's on Netflix. And we will link to that in our stories that comes out the day of the episode and they are saved forever in our What Would Sister Peg Do highlight on our Instagram page. Thank you so much. And next week, buckle up, bitches. We're doing Authority, Season 9, Episode 17. Enjoy that cinematic experience. Um, you know, give us give us some stars. Give us a little review. <laughs> follow us on Insta. See us live in concert. Um, we will, <laughs> we'll do a, choreo, a choreographed dance. Um, thank you so much for listening. We appreciate all of you. Peace we out. We love you guys. See you next week.
What's Messed Up is an Exactly Right production. If you have compliments you'd like to give us or episodes you'd like us to cover, shoot us an email at thatsmessedappod at gmail.com. Follow the podcast on Instagram at That's Messed Up Pod and on Twitter at Messed Up Pod. And follow us personally at Kara Clank and at Glitter Cheese. As always, please see our show notes for sources and more information. Thank you so much to our producer, Casey O'Brien. And to our mixer, John Bradley, and our guest booker, Patrick Kotner. And to Henry Kapersky for our theme song and Carly Jean Andrews for our artwork. Thank you to our executive producers, Georgia Hardstar, Karen Kilgariff, Danielle Kramer, and everybody at Exactly Right Media. Dun, dun! dun. <laughs> Follow That's Messed Up and SVU Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you like to listen so you don't miss an episode. If you like what you hear, rate and review the show. Visit exactlyrightstore.com to purchase That's Messed Up merch.